0: A big welcome to the Nick Elston Show, hosted by inspirational speaker and transformational speaking coach Nick Elston. This show brings you the people who inspire, motivate, educate and engage in all walks of life, sharing their insights and experiences honestly, unfiltered and off script. So without further ado, let's get stuck into today's show.
1: Hey everyone, a big welcome back to The Nick Elson Show. It's season four, episode four. I'll let you into a little secret. This should have been episode one, but thank you to Zoom changing their settings. We had some issues. That's basically me saying it's not not my fault with Zoom, so sorry, Dan. Uh, Well, we have got the amazing Dan Skirmer, a guy I referenced a couple of episodes ago because I forgot you hadn't heard about him yet. So Dan Skirmer is a great guy, really happy to have him on the show. just one of life's good guys, to be fair. So, oh, without, further, without further ado, big round of applause for Dan Skerman. Hi, Nick.
2: How you doing? <laughs> so good to see you. Thank you for that build-up. I love that. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> you're very welcome. I'm available for reasonable rates to MC any event that you're walking <laughs> into. Um, <laughs> um, Dan, tell us who you are, where you're from, and what you're about.
2: Okay, so uh my name's Dan Skirmer. I'm from Birmingham, as you can probably tell by the accent. Um I've lived in Bur- well, I was, I was raised in Birmingham, and something that you might not know about me is that I used to be a nine foot yellow banana called
1: Bella. So i probably- we, we didn't talk about this much last time. I mean, so, suddenly look, all this kind of rabbit holes are popping up in front of us that just it's this why is not unscript this why is not unscripted, This, why it's not unscripted, this is the kind of thing it's <laughs> Can you explain, please, <laughs> before I get the explicit rating dusted off and put on the uh, so,
2: yeah. Amazing, yeah. Basically, um, yeah. So I, when I was seventeen, I went on holiday to Turkey for the first time, and I went. I used to work at a taxi office. So I was uh, I used to answer the phones on the. We used to sit drinking a, a vodka and coke and smoking a cigarette on a Saturday night, and uh, when well, me and one of the drivers decides to go on holiday, and um, yeah we went to turkey it was the best time of my life went there for two weeks had the most amazing epic time and then when it was due to come home i asked the cabin crew to take the my luggage off the plane got a taxi back to the resort slept on my suitcase in a restaurant overnight got kicked out by security and i was traipsing around in the middle of august trying to find somewhere to work and by the end of the day, I realised it's high season. There's no jobs available. I was kind of crumbling in the corner somewhere, thinking, "What am I going to do?" And I came out, and there was a massive, whopping sign in front of me saying, "Fantasia British Entertainment um, Company looking for male vocalists." And the reason I was a nine-foot yellow banana is because I can't sing at all.
1: So the only the two options in life. There are people that can sing or they're nine foot yellow bananas. That's the two. (laughs) Yeah.
2: It was a a little bit tricky because we used to do kids party nights. We used to do Hawaiian hula nights, hence the banana in a grass skirt, little yellow wellies on. Um, And then we used to swap it round and then do a kids party night. So I used to be Gigi the clown. But what happened is when you're a clown in 50 degree heat and you're on a little mini tricycle trying to go around and entertain all the kids, the makeup starts to sweat off your face quite a lot and i did look a little bit like cousin well it's it's cousin basically um it wasn't it wasn't pleasant for the children some of them screamed and when i was a banana Um, I did get picked up by a bunch of lads that I had a little bit of banter with around the pool and they decided to throw me into the pool whilst I was wearing a giant sponge banana suit, which meant that I did sink very quickly to the bottom and had to be rescued by a couple of the guests there. So, yeah, that was an experience in life for sure.
1: (laughs) I mean, literally, that's not even, we've not even touched on anything and we're just going straight into another little side story. (laughs) (laughs) so what um where should we go with this should we go let's let's carry on so (laughs) so your your journey that that got you to where you are now which we will come on to promise but this is far too interesting to skip over how did that then translate as ongoing did you did you stay in that kind of line of work in in kind of travel and hospitality and stuff
2: yeah so um I used to get. I used to be that annoying person that used to come up to you on the sunbed and say, "Hi, you guys. What are you up to tonight? You coming to our show? Come and watch what we're doing." And we had all the dancers and the singers doing their shows. We had the sketch shows. We had the kids' party nights. We had home camera cars and karaoke and costume karaoke nights. It was brilliant. And then did that for three years, and then got made. The company unfortunately closed down, so I came back to the UK and started as my job as a receptionist in a hotel, and then. Um, it was when I I was a wedding planner at this hotel and I've organized 398 weddings in four years um which was if you ever heard about a chocolate fountain ever again it was (laughs) yeah um and then the same-sex marriage um licensing came out and my boss came to me I was handing in my notice and she said oh I'm looking at our new same-sex wedding coordinator but I struggled with that a bit Nick, because I've got a little bit of a flirtatious nature so I didn't really convert any same-sex weddings I'm not gonna lie (laughs) (laughs) um and then yeah so I decided the UK wasn't for me anymore I loved my time in Turkey so I went and interviewed for Tui and Thomas Cook um or Thompson as it was called then as well and uh they, I got offered a job with Thompson in Turkey and I got offered a job with Thomas Cook in Egypt. So I took myself off to Egypt and I worked in seven different countries in seven years. So I had the best time of my life. And oh. then I'm back in, back in the UK now. I'm ready and raring to go. For, well, I'll be back here for about five or six
1: years now. Brilliant. And so what you do now is you founded the, the PA Forum. So how did you get from working in the work that you did to becoming uh, an ambassador and champion for the PA work? Doesn't seem like a natural jump, to be fair. <laughs>
2: it's a question, and to be honest with you, it's a question I ask myself every single day. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I came back to the UK, I was on job seekers allowance for nine months. It was really hard. Um, I was trying to get back into the hospitality industry, but as a salesperson or as a you know, corporate. Um, event organizer. So, just the question kept coming up: Who do you know? Who do you know? What's your network? Who do you know? And I didn't know anybody. Um, and luckily, I kind of, I did kind of blag my way into a hotel a little bit and say, at the end of the n- interview number twenty-seven, I went, okay, I just know everybody. And you know that that question just sent over the edge, got the job. And I thought, actually, I really need to get to know everybody now. So, I just took myself off out and about um, and started talking to. The region's PAs and you know naturally they were you know looking for venues to organize events etc but it was really I'm a real big advocate of networking um you know network having a really valuable network and a really fantastic network of people around you not only to support you professionally but personally um it's just awesome and we've just grown over many years we we did our first event which was all about creating a LinkedIn profile a lot of PAs actually don't really use LinkedIn that much. Some do now. Um, but there are some that, you know, might have said, oh, I've got a LinkedIn profile, but I've never logged on before. I'm not really not sure how to use it. And we did a LinkedIn um, uh, profile building uh, lunch with them and it went really well. We had 45 people there. Then we had the person that organised Gary Barlow's wedding. We had 100 people at that one. Then we had another a PA that... Actually, ended up buying the logistics company that she worked for and turning it into a multi million pound business, and that was a really aspirational talk. And it's taken off since there since we're in our sixth year now and over a thousand members here based in the West Midlands, which is just really overwhelming sometimes to think about it. It's
1: phenomenal, I mean, and to gain that kind of traction, like you said, I'm a firm believer in the power of your network as well. Um, back in my employed life, the networking was actually the only way I wanted to kind of sell in that sense and, and connect with people. And actually, it was your social life as well. I mean, if you look at my kind of friendship groups now, they all come from that time. Um, I'm kind of Godfather to my, my mates, little learning, and, and it all came from networking. So it's really interesting that we we see networking as a business opportunity, but very often it's just community. And boy, over the past two years, that's what we've really missed, isn't it? That kind of that in person, tactile, tangible community.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think you know um, that I've always had really good relationships with people in the hospitality industry, and I missed that network when I got made redundant in twenty twenty um, because of the pandemic. But what was amazing was that we still had this really active network of people that just really wanted support. Mm. And people were going through incredibly emotional time. Mental well-being was rock bottom for a lot of people. And we just needed to do things that lifted people through. And Nick, you were one of those people that, you know, supported you. us through that pandemic with you know the inspirational talk that you did for our members was just absolutely awesome and we had such a fantastic response from that and you kindly invited some of them onto your full day speaking academy and that was just really well received so thank you so much for that because it was people like you and the network that we have and the talking and sharing and people just being open honest about the way that they're feeling just really helped to carry people through that period and come out the other side like you said with friendship groups I and mean, how amazing that you've got like you know the godfather like well your friends are godfather awesome. do you know what i mean it's just awesome
1: it really is and thank you for your kind words as well and, and uh, for those who don't know m- myself and dan are working together this year as well delivering lots of different things across the years so i'm really excited to get to know your network um i guess the one thing i did want to ask you actually is, somebody in the, the pa environment you don't see many men doing that is is why would you say that is rather than make assumptions why would that what do you say that is
2: well, it's interesting. I spoke to, I had a conversation this morning to some of the local schools and academies because we're really trying to do a, a campaign to go in and promote the profession because... Fantastic. That's great stuff. It, it was really interesting. What, uh, the lady who started our mentoring initiative, Tracy, Tracy Whitehouse, she used to support the uh, UK CEO of DHL Supply Chain. And um, she set up a fantastic internal mentoring scheme. And we now want to kind of bring this scheme where the PAs are helping each other and mentoring each other and put that into schools. And um, it's one of the things she says was, kids say, I want to be a businessman. And she said, what, what do you mean by a businessman? And they went, I want to wear a suit and have a briefcase and have my own business. And that's great if that's what they're, but we need to change that perception because Like when people think about jobs in engineering or jobs in construction, it's not just about the practical side of things. There's a huge back office operation where there's loads of different roles available, loads of opportunity for people to move into. And what was really interesting about the academies that we spoke to this morning, they agreed and said that they don't when they leave school, not very rarely think about I want to be in a business or executive support role. And even more rarely, men or boys that are leaving school that will think or young people in general that will think that's a profession that I really want to get into. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done. But the Executive and Personal Assistance Association, which is uh, founded by Victoria Ratten, she did a Not Just a Girls campaign, um, and she still continues to run that campaign. She's done really well to highlight those people that have had a career that are men within the sector, where they've worked, what they do. I mean, some of these people are supporting like ultra high net worth individuals that globally, you know, traveling around the world, absolute million billionaires. But then it's not just about that, it's about, you know, working in roles with women, and also to try and kind of bridge that gap, that gender gap between making people realise that it's not just a role that's there for women; it's a fantastic career opportunity for men, and it's to try and change perceptions with that as well. And I think they've done a fantastic job
1: doing that. Yes, it's a really weird dynamic twist, actually, because usually on, on the show we we have lots of people from lots of sectors and uh, different walks of life and stuff, and we're having the opposite conversation. Why aren't women involved in this? So it's really interesting to have a different conversation. And again, but I guess it all stems, again, from the generational overhang. I remember kind of on our uh, being toured uh, at school. I'm 44 now. So when we were touring touring around like the school, primary school, last year, looking at what we potentially could do when we are grown up. Don't think I've got that yet. Um, (laughs) But we were taken around this big kind of factory. And the factory was... Uh, very kind of traditional kind of British 80s kind of factory. Um, and uh, the offices were kind of like mahogany walls, mahogany desks. And it was all just the the, the typical kind of stereotype of, of business. And like you said, actually, that's what I want to be a businessman. Uh, and it's an interesting twist now, really, that with the rise of the entrepreneur, it mm-hmm. seems like being any form of employed person, is secondary, interestingly, Mm. to to qualify that. And I've always built a a career trying to be the best second in command I can be. That's kind of what I did for most of all of my career up until I went self-employed. And I said many times on the show, that's why I think self-employment doesn't come naturally to me. Entrepreneurism doesn't come naturally to me because there's not one week that goes by. I don't want to press that big red eject button. Um, I find it quite difficult to be self-employed and I, I love what I do. But the business of it is really difficult in that sense. So I think with the rise of the entrepreneur, sometimes people can uh, feel that they're not achieving if they're not in a certain role or certain status. Is that right?
2: Yeah, I think I I very much feel the same as you. I don't think I was made to be an entrepreneur and to be a business owner. I've been thrown into, without my own choice, having been through redundancy, to to create my own business to survive um, and thrive which I love but I don't you know people say to me why don't you charge that why do why do you charge that that's not really much at all I'm like it's not it's for me it's the enjoyment and for me it's about the quality of life and the enjoyment that I get out of what I do I'm not a money person I am all about having nice things that I can afford and go on nice holidays when I can and you know to live the best life that I can possibly live not about you know what's ching what you know what's catching in the, the till and kind of you know how much money can I make in one year it's never really been something for me I think what I love and that's why we love working with you Nick is that synergy of you want to go out there and help people and you support people and you share your story and your rawness around you know your own experiences and what you do and for me that's very much the same. I love helping people. And um, if I can do that and bring joy to other people's lives, that brings joy to my life. And I think when you, I can't imagine for you when you're stood up in front of all those people uh, and you're doing a keynote and you can just see the reaction of the people for what they're saying to you, as I've seen, it, it must be awesome. Uh,
1: again, thanks again. Um, <laughs> just take you with me wherever I go. Um, <laughs> it's, it's the closest, and this is gonna sound really weird, but it's true. It's the closest I ever come to that feeling of kind of euphoria when you feel in, in in total flow with an audience, because you kind of like, you're all in it together in that sense. We're going on a journey where we're going through these experiences. And so even though it's set to the context of my own stuff, as you know, from being on the receiving end, it's actually about us all of us taking time to think about our own stuff. And we're so busy firefighting nowadays, we don't do that kind of thing, do we? You know, And I, I think that's that's the bit I love really. And I think that's also the reason why after an event, I feel like a puppet with the strings cut. I feel absolutely knackered because it's kind of, something's kind of flung from me as opposed to through me. If I, if I was truly professional in that sense of the word, then I would get good at actually letting things go through me. But I want to maintain that authenticity. I want to maintain the, I guess the honesty of it and, and to to make people feel something you need to feel that with them kind of thing so well, i could yeah. talk about that stuff for ages but it's not about me it's about you you're on here <laughs> <laughs>
2: no I just like I say I think it's really inspiring Nick and I think it's it's when you surround yourself with people like you and the other people that have supported us it only inspires me to do more and me to do more for our community and what I've loved seeing over this journey of five or six years with our communities the confidence and the the self-belief of our community coming through and thinking, you know, they're constantly now thinking, how can I evolve evolve my role? What can I do? What can I get involved with? Loads of PAs are now really getting more involved in project management, in CSR, supporting the business to be more um, sustainable, um, have a better um, uh, experience throughout the, the commute, their local community and what they can give back and they're just hungry for so much information. I've never worked with a community that literally wants to absorb everything that they know. It, it's absolutely amazing. It does put the pressure on a little bit because you think what can I do now? Like I need, you know, they're so hungry for more information and learning and and to build this community. I'm like what, you know, where can we go from here? But they're coming up with ideas and suggestions now that I just love watching them come, you know, coming up and creating all these things. And all if I could be the person that implements it and makes it happen, that it for me is 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 boom, job done. Love it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's phenomenal. Again, it's, it's another interesting one. So to, to ask you, I guess, what's next? That because I think you're right. I think in, in the year world, you, you kind of um And we're assuming people know this of personal assistant, um, virtual assistant and electronic assistant. Is that right?
2: Executive assistant. Executive
1: assistant. I'm not going to edit. I promise. Even though I've messed up, I promise I'm not going to edit. I'm going to keep. This. Are
2: you not? At all? It just—it's <laughs> great, isn't it? Because you know, um, Lucy Brazier, who um, she is the um, chief executive of Executive Support Magazine. She's just done some research, and globally, there's 57 different job titles for admin assistants, office assistants, um. executive assistants office managers, personal assistants. You know, and there's loads of different roles out there. So it's exactly, you know, it's great that you brought it up because there are so many different variations of the role. I just,
1: um, I firmly believe that if you don't understand something, you just need to ask. Uh, and we had an amazing guest on um, a couple of episodes ago now, uh, Ryan Shepherd, who was talking about pronouns, which is something that that I've really sh- not struggled with. But it's something I've really found difficult to understand, as it doesn't affect me in that sense. Um, and the only way I'll we'll find out is by asking him, and asking him on the show, and asking these questions. And it was just an amazing episode. It's, it's not being afraid to ask questions, but and that's what breaks the stereotypes. I think you look at that kind of uh, the point that I was going to make was that the traditional overhang of being a PA or anything A eh? uh, in in essence means that you make the team type types notes because that's kind of what we what we've kind of traditionally thought it to be. But <clears throat> we had an uh, an amazing lady called Kate on who was. Uh, the franchise or for the passionate PA here uh, in the Southwest, mm-hmm. I think all over the place. Um, and she was talking about um, how actually each one of her uh, PAs will have a specialism. So one specializes in accounts or personal development or so actually it's so deep, isn't it? And like you said, by the, the amazing work that you're doing to upskill your community, they then take that on to their clients. to to help them with. So it's not about their personal growth itself, it's about how they then work with other people, isn't it?
0: This show is sponsored by Forging People, transformational speaking coaching. Are you truly being heard in life, in business, in education, even at home? Your ability to deliver any message with clarity, power and emotion will have an ultimately defining impact on your success as a speaker, leader, and influencer. For more information, contact team at forgingpeople.com. Are you truly being heard? It's time to find your voice.
2: yeah exactly and you know we one of the one of the toughest things i think we've launched is and what what's opened my mind was when we when we launched the west midlands pa awards many many years ago um we opened applications and for six weeks we didn't have a single person apply not one person uh, across five categories (laughs) and this was yeah and i was like what's going on here what like why are people not being nominated and there was a, an ex-director of a huge assurance company posted in our Facebook page and said, I can't believe there's an awards ceremony for people that um, order stationery and book appointments in other people's calendars. I mean, so I screenshotted that and I shared it. I literally went, uploaded it onto an email, downloaded the database and I sent it. And all I put in this email, Nick, was if there was ever a reason to enter an award, it's this and that's it. I didn't need to say anything else. And the applications came flying in. And I I thought to myself, yeah, and I thought to myself, I actually wrote to that man afterwards and said, thank you, because you have shown exactly why we need to change perception. And I'm not one of these people that bang the drum. I'm not one of these people that, you know, sit there and think that PAs are, um, you know, massively undervalued because they're not they are strategic business partners working with their executive to make that person be the best person that they can be and that executive should be doing exactly the same for them and making sure that they are valued they are appreciated and they save the company and the time and the um their executives so much time so much money by being so efficient and i think that is is, is a skill that you need to learn over so many years and be yeah. you know fine-tune that skill it's just not something that you can just walk in and just be able to do and I just admire them so much for what they do to support their business they always have the business and the executive at the heart of everything that they do and I think that's just really fantastic yeah,
1: absolutely and as an ex-stationer, I've always had big love for PAs anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's because of the office of thing originally. And now I'm learning more from you. So it's, it's all good. Um.
2: <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, and like I say, you know, I look back, Nick, and I think to those days, and I think, you know, I was a yellow banana. How have I ended up being yeah. here? But I think it just goes. I think being a holiday rep, what we were we were drilled in our Thomas Cook um, ethos was um, uh, we go, um, we go further to make your dreams come true. And that has always stuck with me. Um, and our, our other logo was, our other slogan was, our world revolves around you. And that was drummed into us for years and years and years. And it's something that's never left me. And people say to me, why do you do so much? Why do you do what you do? And it's because of that. That's exactly it. Love
1: oh, that. That's brilliant. That's so good. And, um, So we were going to originally do this uh, at the end of season three, and I'm so glad that we didn't. And hear me out, I promise. Uh, And I'm glad it's season four because in between, you've been dancing for Strictly. And you said it so casually. I can't record this afternoon. I've got my my, my, uh, training for Strictly. What? People don't throw that line around. That's huge.
2: Well, yeah, well, first, it was, it's amazing. Um, But it's it's basically, it's it's a local charity event called Strictly Christmas. And just to kind of give you a, so I was, when I was, I was driving um, to practice in Birmingham and I got pulled over by the police and I very rarely get pulled over by the police. And uh, he was pulled in and he was like, sir, can you step out the car, take the keys out the ignition on the dashboard and step out? I was like, what have I done? Obviously, he's like, repeated again. Got out the car and uh, for, they were going around my car doing all these checks for ages. Everything was fine, by the way. I pay all my bills. um And um the driver, the officer says, You sat navs um, where are you going? I said, I'm going to a, a rehearsal in Coventry for Strictly. And he went, If you, he said, You can't be going to a rehearsal for Strictly because you would definitely have a better car than that. <laughs> and i was like it's a charity event it's not like strictly but it was what's great is it was it it worked exactly the same as strictly so we were doing it for zoe's place baby hospice we had to raise a minimum of 500 pounds per person to be involved in it and then we just literally like brand new day at school walk in no one really kind of talking to each other We're all really shy um, and we get paired with our partners and i was partnered with um tom mitchell uh and i he's got a very very special place in my heart now look at my face i can just talk about him i
1: mean um, we kind of recorded this before but i definitely want to do it again because you've got a, you've definitely got a vibe of glow when you talk about him
2: <laughs> <laughs> i know he's literally like he's a very confident person i think what I love about creatives is they've got this kind of ooze, this confidence. Sometimes you know around them, and he's very, he's very talented, very creative, but he knows it. And uh, the banter between us is just brilliant. But we had to learn a quick step and a cha-cha, and we were going doing rehearsals twice a week. And we had to perform in front of 400 people each night over two nights. Um, and we collectively, between the 27 contestants, we raised um, just under £115,000 for charity. Wow, that's amazing. Um, yeah. And uh, I had so much support from social media, from our network, from everybody. And I just want to say a huge thank you to everyone for, for supporting our fundraising efforts but also our collective fund raising efforts because it's a phenomenal amount of money for such a fantastic cause and i also you know i've got to thank tom because he he put up with me and i'm quite overwhelming <laughs> when you spend a lot of time with me it's quite a lot and uh, looking he, forward to
1: this year is going to be interesting interesting
2: <laughs> yeah so, but do you know what it came at a time where I literally thought my head was going to explode I was so overwhelmed I didn't know what I was doing I was so busy I don't know about you Nick but when it got to when we came back out and we were the world woke up again all of this ethos of I'm never going back to that world again I'm never doing that we literally I was busier than I was before the pandemic it was absolutely bonkers did you find that
1: yeah absolutely same yeah definitely and I mean that's what i mean it is is amazing and quite scary actually how quickly we adapt to circumstances uh, and like you said all those things we kind of said a long way you're yeah, going to keep more time to self-care that kind of stuff and suddenly he's like whoosh you're on a plane i mean the first the first event was up in glasgow so flying up to glasgow it's thinking ah this is, um yeah you mentioned yeah. one thing i don't um, want to touch on actually which we we did on the on the kind of the other recording <laughs> which is now consigned to history but is an important point that you mentioned about same-sex uh, couples and obviously that was made kind of um, I guess famous in its truest sense of on last season of Strictly. Um, now, the reason why I want to bring it up is because it was a really interesting chat that we had about actually that you felt that sometimes the offence is, is felt on your behalf if somebody goes against that, for example. Do you find it's quite a divisive thing? And what's your kind of take on on that? And how important to you was it to have a same-sex partner for your charity dance?
2: It's really, really, like, literally just before this interview, I was just seeing the news was on, and I just saw, you know, they were interviewing people out from the LGBTQ plus community that were in the RAF and the armed forces who got sent to prison for being gay. And, you know, um, I am very lucky. I feel very lucky that I wasn't around those times and I can't begin to imagine what they went through and and I uh, watched It's a Sin during um, the lockdown and god did that get me that I mean again I wasn't around during that time but my god it really got me and I think it really affected a lot of my friends a lot but it was really good to appreciate what people were going through in those stages but I think I did apply when I applied for Strictly they did they ask the question would you prefer a same-sex couple and I did say the reason I said yes, and uh, this is just not so I'm like, I have to have a same sex. Um, (laughs) uh, The reason I said yes was because I didn't fully understand what the competition was. And I thought if I was to be a lead that I would have to lift. And I literally have got the upper body strength of a dead gnat. So I was like, I can't lift anybody. I can't even lift myself up sometimes. Do you know what I mean? So I thought to myself oh I well, can you imagine not being a world around all over the place picked up you know doing all these things I thought it'd be great to have a male guy that could do that now what I loved was they went off and spoke to Tom and said are you happy dancing with a same-sex couple, same sex couple saying with a with a mat with another man and he said does it bother me at all absolutely when we first got paired together he was like I said to him, you know thank you so much for doing this. He was like, yeah, my wife has said it was okay. My wife said this. My wife said that. And after about 45 minutes, I went, I get that you married, Tom. I was like, I get that there's a Mrs. Mitchell out there somewhere. And I was like, I'd love to meet her. He introduced me to her. We went round to his in-laws, to the in-laws house. I met his mom, met his sister. Um, It was fantastic. Really, really good. And we, you know, on the first night when we had the judges, we won and it was really overwhelming, really emotional. When we, when we won, um, his little nephew just was sat right in the corner of the room, this massive room. And all you heard was uncle Tom. And he just oh, ran, uh, cool. just pounced onto Tom and he hooked him. And pff, God, that just really, he really got me then. I was like, wow, this is like just amazing. And, um, he posted on Instagram and he got quite a bit of a ream of abuse. And I didn't know at first he got it until I met his wife and we we went for lunch afterwards. And she said, yeah, he did get a bit of stick for that. And I found that to be really disappointing because why should he get stick for that? He's done something that has made me feel positively amazing. And he's done something where we've shared this incredible journey together that it was I haven't experienced stuff like that for quite a number of years so to get it was literally like being hit by a train I thought god this is still going on it's still out there and he who did who's done absolutely nothing but do something amazing for charity and give his own time up has to kind of suffer that type of abuse from people i just think it's just utterly wrong it's just it, it really disappointed me that we still have that in society it's just
1: such a shame but even nationally with, with the main strictly that there were again it, it just provokes a response from from certain sectors of it's surprising that there's still that kind of shock around it all yeah yeah It does
2: take away from the, it does take away from how you feel. We're naturally human, aren't we? So we, we, whilst it it was a hugely, massively positive experience, it's only naturally human that we remember. We, we always, you know, unfortunately imprint those little negative things in our head that we remember and we make a big thing out of it. And it's, it's right because it affects the way that we feel. Um, but what i loved about him is he just absolutely brushed that off it affected me more than it affected him but my I'm number one that, yeah. yeah my number one concern was how he felt and that he was okay with that and he just like i mean he dyed his hair blonde he goes running in the most shortest running shorts i think i've ever seen in my life and i said to him you do ask for it sometimes. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but no, it's it, it, was, it, it was fantastic. And I just would, I think, seeing the same-sex couples on Dancing and I, seeing the same-sex couples on Strictly Come Dancing has just been fantastic. And it's Amazing. really propelled us into this place where we were the first same-sex couple to ever take part in that competition. Wow, um, fair play. And so to take part, and have the backing of the people that were there and the support with all the, the um fundraising and to win and be part of that family and welcomed into that family and have this amazing group of people has just been uh, utterly memorable and if anyone if you're local to the west midlands if you're around coventry they're going to be opening up applications in the springtime and i can't tell you enough to apply and go and amazing. do it it's just amazing
1: and like you said, that kind of creativity and being able to immerse yourself in a, in a project was just, was really good for you as well and your mental health and, and your well-being. yeah right?
2: I was sitting here Nick till 11 o'clock every night. I was sit- literally working from eight to 11, four days a week, trying to do accounts, invoices, sales, you know getting new clients, running events. it was it was crazy and this t- this was stop, right just stop shut the laptop turn the phone off go go in the car listen to amazing music sing your heart out it's an hour and 10 minute drive there for me there and hour and 10 minute back i loved that brilliant headspace and then it was dance 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 come back shattered get into bed wake up another new day and i absolutely loved it so i've carried on doing the ballroom i'm going every thursday for new ballroom dance lessons with a different partner tom if you're listening i've I've moved it on somebody else unfortunately
1: (laughs) breaking news yeah yeah (laughs) so yeah you're here to hear first folks
2: yeah i love it and that's that's the thing i think it's really inspired me to find something that I love doing mm. and that's been so good for my own personal mental health that I want to carry on doing it because every time I do it, it just reminds me of that experience.
1: And did you have any kind of dance experience from before? Is it, you kind of went straight in kind of cold?
2: I did jazz lessons when I was a kid. Um, and I did dance a little bit when I was overseas, but that was in the Bella, that was in the Bella, the banana days. Um, But it was it was jazz. It was mostly jazz, and we used to do you know sketch comedy sketch shows. But we used to do um, we used to do some. We used to do a bit of cats, Chicago, all those different types of things, as well as backing dancers. But I've never actually danced with somebody and realizing that when they move their left, you need to move your right, and you are literally here like connected to each other and dancing I've never done that before and when I started I was like oh my god I can't get this at all what's going on um and now it's you know coordination for me does take a little bit of time um but I just yeah I love it and I hope I can build on it and again if I can enter that competition again maybe help somebody else that's come in and wants that kind of help and support to get through I'll never be as good as Tom but it would be great to be able to to help <laughs> them out as well I'd love to do that yeah,
1: and yeah coming up see. on a future episode we're going to have Tom Mitchell <laughs> just, to get, just to get the flip side of what's going on right now <laughs>
2: <laughs> he's going to love the fact that they spoken about it for these length of time oh my god
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what's next I mean like I said the PA forum's going well you, you do you work hard with business development and that kind of stuff uh, what's next for you
2: so my ultimate my old my dream my vision is to have my little little place in Gran canaria on a you know quiet little holiday complex that you know might not be as busy as you used to next to a pool doing some coaching sessions online or you know still running my events virtually still coming back to the uk um, yeah. and and keeping in touch with my community but Yeah, that's my dream. To get there, it's gonna take a bit of time. Uh, Being self-employed, I didn't realize that to get a mortgage overseas, you need to have at least two or three years of books behind you.
1: Yeah. That's
2: been a bit of a kick in the teeth. And then some of the challenges I've faced now is that um, my nan passed away in December, which was really difficult and I had to- uh, Oh, I'm so sorry. Thank you. I had to pause my client work for December came back in January and they were like, you know, some of them were like, well, actually we need to pause you now for January because Omicron. Yeah, And I'm like, when you're self-employed and you're trying to get that consistency is really hard. And I think Absolutely. I've really appreciated that as, no. a, as a person that's only very recently been self-employed. I have a massive respect for people that have been self-employed and had to make this journey. And I just hope that I can learn those lessons quite quickly along the way um, but what's next is my goal get to Grankin area. that's what I'm going to be doing Um, and you know I want to try and make as much of an impact as I can during that time while I'm here to build our network to help as many people as I possibly can and hopefully hand the forum over to somebody that's going to be in the UK all the time that can carry on to move it forward and keep that momentum going I still want to be part of it but you know, I want to be able to build it up to such a point where I hand it over to the PAs that that are part of the community that want to run it and make it even better because it's their community.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the question I like to ask everybody that comes on this show I am now the MC of the O2 Arena in London, 20,000 people paid a harder money to come and hear you dance. <laughs> See you, <dancing. laughs> uh, I'm just about to call you to the stage. You're sat in the green room, you're kicking back with your legs on the table. And your walk on music kicks in, that song that motivates you, that lifts you, that gets you at peak state, that song that's gonna make you perform at your very best when you reach that stage. What would that track be and why, Dan Scurmer?
2: This is like the, the the most like amazing question ever. <laughs> it's really literally gone Hi, through thank you. my mind. And, um, <laughs> yeah and I I asked a couple of people this this morning when I knew that you were going to ask me and I was like, oh my god what would you say they're like what a, what a whopping question um I think for me I think back in the day it definitely would have been a bit of I love Destiny's Child so it would have been something like Delicious. but there is a song that I'm listening to at the moment it would, wouldn't be the beginning bit because it would have to kick in um and it's it's from Pink, and I love Pink because a she's a massive, um, she's a huge advocate of the LGBT community. Yeah. If you listen to most of her music. She probably swears quite a bit in it, and she doesn't care. And what she's actually, she's really true to her lyrics and what she says. And, and this song, um, is called um, "All I Know So Far." And actually, there is um, there's a a bit in the chorus which I think is really good, and it says, "Stay unfiltered and loud." You'll be proud of that skin full of scars, and I think that's amazing because it just goes to show what kind of place that we are in at the moment with social media, with the internet, etc. And I just think to myself, she's just so real. Just be you. Just be you. You're not going to be everybody's person, but you will be some. Pe- you will be some people's person, and I think. Don't apply to the millions, just apply to those people that you can help and make a difference with. And I think she's literally nailed it right there.
1: Perfect. Powerful stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan Skirmer. Thank you, Nick. (laughs) What a guy. Thank you so much for coming on the show twice. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And with with a fair wind, we're going to get this recording nailed this time and we're going to have no hiccups and it'll all go out as planned for episode four, and if it doesn't, no one's going to see this anyway. No, <laughs> so, so we're all good. Uh, Dan, I'd love to get you back for a future season. I think we've got far, far much more to talk about, especially as we go through this year as well, and working together closely as well. So, yeah, Dan skimmer thanks so much. Uh, everybody else, please hit like and subscribe. Do connect with Dan, his links and stuff and content in the bio. I'm sure he'd be ha- really happy to hear from you um, and uh, stay tuned for next Monday's episode, another amazing guest coming your way. Uh, in the meantime, that's a wrap. Uh, be happy, take care and stay well. See you soon, guys. Cheers. Bye bye. Bye.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. Do hit the like button and subscribe to stay tuned for future episodes published every Monday and available through YouTube or the podcast platform of your choice. See you next week.